ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to these. Go to eleven once again. I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutch is sitting across me. Greg, what's going on, dude? What up? We're finally there, dude. I know. We're gonna talk. Remember, we have not talked about the election in months. I know. A little reference here and there. Yeah. Reverend King would call in here and there. Yeah. Say something about Trump. <laughs> I can't wait to have this conversation. A part two. Yeah, and uh, I, I think the last guest we had on that we officially talked about the election was uh, Tim Challies back in July. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Canadian's perspective. That's right. So that Dude, was. Can can a Canadian have a perspective? <laughs> Tim, I know you're not listening, so I feel sad. I mean, because by virtue of the fact that he's a Canadian. <laughs> I mean, I got no problem with America Junior, but I'm just kidding, Canadian listeners, all two of you. Well, did you hear um, Joe uh, Joe Thorne on their uh, podcast, Doctrine and Devotion, when they were talking about Canada? No. Yeah, they were like, yeah, Canada is just like America's slower cousin. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, Challies was great. Yeah, I mean, it, was. It, it was neat to hear a, uh, a guy who really doesn't have skin in the game. Yeah, but is a, a, an astute observer, observer. Yeah. of what's going on uh, south of his border. Yeah, um, and he had some pretty pretty neat insights. Yeah, well, and it, it's actually um, you know it's fascinating because. I, I've been getting what I feel like is is better news since that last podcast because yeah. uh, Joy has decided to switch her homepage from MSN to the BBC. Oh yeah, uh, page and so she's getting a lot and, and not just Hillary and Trump, but like actual events that are going on around the world. Wow. So um, it's it's actually been quite fascinating to uh, wow. you know hear some legit news. <laughs> Yeah, like life-shaping events like we saw on Good Morning America like a week or so ago about what the candidates eat on weekends versus the regular – because that, man, that was riveting. That's what the people were waiting to see. Yeah, what Trump eats on a Tuesday compared to what he would eat on a Sunday morning. And if the campaign changes anything, that was a good twelve-minute segment. But I digress. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think we need to get out of this, Greg, yeah. and let, let our listeners <laughs> yeah. hear some. Uh, Nobody wants to hear us. I know. About this. Um, but before we do, uh, Mission Aware, go ahead. Mission and- Aware, go to missionaware.com. They've been great friends to us. Uh, uh, great sponsors. Uh, their line of products, from T-shirts to posters. Um, I always talk about the uh, the morning surge with Spurge. Mm-hmm. Great way to start your day. Who wants to drink coffee out of a boring, just plain Jane mug when you can have Charles Haddon Spurgeon's face <laughs> looking at you while you drink? The morning surge with Spurge, a personal favorite. And uh, you know, you, you'll get great quotes from the uh, Reformation, but they do it in a pretty uh, fun, cool, edgy way that uh, actually uh, is great for uh, – Party conversations and such. So check out missionaware.com. Uh, enter our special promo code, the word sustain. You'll get a great discount, and we're glad to partner with them. Absolutely. Um, and without further ado, we want to introduce our guest for today um, because, again, you and I talking um, politics is, you know, like the Marx Brothers trying to build a bridge. Yes. Um, so I uh, want to go ahead and start off with uh, Shaheen. Shaheen Youssef, you joining us again. Shaheen, how you doing, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. Man, Absolutely. Thrilled, dude. Yep. And, of course, uh, Emma Middleton. Emma, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, thank you. It's great to have both of you back on. We got such uh, great positive feedback from having the both of you on last time that we wanted to do that again and uh, you know, just get you, y'all's thoughts and opinions on how things have 
finally, you know, shaken out before uh, before the big election. We will be recording this. Uh, it'll be exactly two weeks before before the election. Yeah, so, man, that's right. Yep. So we're uh, interested to hear uh, some of y'all's thoughts and concerns. And um, you know, here's a a plug in a pitch to uh, you know maybe steer some undecideds onto a, a way that they should vote. Yes. So, um, Greg, I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, start us off and take it away. Yeah. Well, for listeners of this podcast, just to give a, a very brief little setup here, uh, Shaheen talked to me. Uh, it was several months ago, bro. It was such a, a good uh, thought that you kind of put it in my head because – it's a terrible thing to say, but if we're guilty of anything, Nathan, I guess we could sometimes pride ourselves on grace, mm-hmm. which is kind of a twisted idea, but we can do that. <laughs> you know, the human heart can always pervert anything good. And sometimes when you're expressing the freedom that comes from grace, as I think Nathan and I have, have sought to do, you know, we both kind of went on the record early on in this podcast that we've just, we're both, be, we have become pretty politically disinterested. Mm-hmm. Uh, to a point where, to my credit or maybe discredit, um, Saturday Night Live sketches are about my uh, my my greatest connection to what's going on. <laughs> That's overstated. I am watching some some news reports and reading things online, but uh, we would often make references, dude, to like, yeah, we're just not politically interested. We're not politically interested. And um, Shaheen sort of challenged us, and it was it was a good challenge uh, uh, to us. Uh, several months back, Shaheen, that are we saying, in other words, that to be a gospel-centered Christian, you should be apolitical? And I thought, man, I wonder if we're communicating that. Um, I would say unintentionally, but I could definitely see that case. So we invited um, Shaheen and Emma on months ago uh, because – we thought it would be good for people that could speak uh, with a little more passion to political matters to show that, yeah, you can be a gospel-centered person and be political. You can be a gospel-centered person and be non-political. Um, so that was the setup. And of course, uh, what afforded us uh, the opportunity to do it was we were in the middle of the summer primary season. Back then, Cruz, Rubio, Kasich, remember those names nobody talks about anymore? <laughs> we're still in the mix and uh, Emma, of course. Uh, Emma, do I have this right that you were um, you're the leader of the Young Republicans at Towson University in Maryland? Is that is that correct? Uh, yeah, I was, the, I was the president. Yeah, of our club. The the president of the club, which is cool. And you were in the primary season in the Cruz camp. Um, even if I remember rightly, Emma, didn't you go up to uh, to New Hampshire to get um, uh, people? Uh, uh, assembled and uh, voter enthusiasm and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I worked as a field director, so I headed up there uh, right after my semester ended in December, um, and there were 12 of us charged with uh, the entire state of New Hampshire. Wow. Um, I was I was 18 at the time, and the uh, next youngest field director was 24, so it was kind of crazy. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. We went up there. Um, we had about 20,000 people. I had about 12 towns I worked across. Um, and basically, my first day up there, they just said, walk into these 12 towns and make some people vote for Cruz. So it was a pretty cool opportunity to just uh, walk around neighborhoods, literally just me and a, a handful of flyers, uh, meet people, ask people if they'd start walking around their neighborhoods with me to 
uh, introduced some other people to uh, to the name Cruise. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. Wow, Emma. That, uh, thank you. And now you are 19, right? Yes, and I am. <laughs> still, still, by contrast, making me feel how dumb I was at 19 uh, or 18 <laughs> or 17 or 46. So um, thank you for that. So obviously Emma can, can speak to these issues with not just theoretical interests but passion. She's uh, in many ways um, uh, reordered big chunks of her life to uh, serve these causes. Um, Shaheen, you, I will say, we got interesting feedback on you from listeners that said, I couldn't figure out quite what that dude's political philosophy was, uh, which made it all the more intriguing. Because if I remember right, Jane, um, refresh me. We're here in the state of Maryland. You're a registered Democrat, or you were, correct? I am. And your reason for doing that was? Um, so when we were talking about last time, I said that I felt I had – that I had more influence over – if I were more of a conservatively minded person, I would yeah. have more influence over my potential candidate if I cast a vote on the Democrat side yes. than I did on the Republican side. Yes. But just to clarify that a little bit, I don't – there are some people who bleed blue and there are people who bleed red. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have faith in either one. Sure. So for me, being a Democrat is a matter of convenience. It's mm -hmm. uh, an end, a means to an end. Yes. Not – and, and maybe this is where some of the confusion comes from the listeners who gave you feedback that, you know, if you're a Democrat and you see this happen in debates all the time, you say, oh, well, you're a Democrat or, you know, you would vote for this person or you uh, you supported this party. So here's a laundry list of 3,000 different things that yeah. you must, you know, you must completely subscribe to or you are now guilty of or, you know, like – People who maybe voted for Bush and then there was the, you know, Bush lied, kids died thing yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden now every single person who at any point favored Bush is now guilty of murdering children. Yes. yes. So like the, I don't – I just don't agree with that. Like, yeah. You know, there, there aren't 1,500 different political parties yeah. that, that can let you, you know, kind of tag yourself with individual nuanced yes. positions. Yes. So you have either red or blue – Pick one. Right. Whatever. Right. And if I'm right, you guys can uh, correct me on this. In Maryland, if you're a registered, say, independent, you can't vote in the primaries, correct? Well, correct. Yeah, As, you can't vote on the Republican or the Democrat. Oh, right, ticket. right, right. So yeah. it really is a kind of a principle that's shouted to the air and has little impact on anything. Right. Uh, right, right. So that was um, that was was interesting. So that was kind of our, our setup. So naturally, from either of you, Emma, Shaheen, whichever one of you wants to take a stab at it, uh, here we are several months later. Our candidates have been pretty well clarified. I think our next president is either going to be Secretary Clinton, Mr. Trump, uh, and probably, this is my opinion, Secretary Clinton, <laughs> based on every poll that I'm seeing with a few exceptions here and there. Um, and I'm just curious um, – how are either of you, just either of you take a stab at it, how are you feeling two weeks out about the choice that is before us? Embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> are you really? Yeah. 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 So it's one of those things. Yeah. I I'm sorry, Emma? I, I think that's kind of a universal feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 300 plus million people in the country. And these are the, and, <laughs> the yeah. These and are so the two. I've even that's said bad. that myself. Out of three hundred million people, the, these are the two best we could find. But I don't think that's the case. I think yeah. that 
the unfortunate state of affairs is that if you are a good guy yeah. and you you know I I mean if I were wanting to run for office, the thoughts that would run from through my mind is what's this going to do to my family? Yes. What kind of pressure are my kids going to be put under? What yep. kind of dirt from my wife's background is going to be dragged up yep. and rubbed in our face or yep. from my background? What are they going to do? My father is an immigrant. What are they going to do with him? And yep. all of a sudden, you know, now because my dad's an immigrant, there are certain stance that I have to take on certain issues or else I'm going to get smeared for it or not. You know, I, so I think that's a, very legitimate reality. Sure. There's lots of great people that could run and they're just like, wow, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to be part of that. I don't want to put my family through that. Isn't that what uh, Colin Powell um, at least voiced as his reason? Remember, there was a lot of pressure on him years ago to run because uh, he's a well-liked person, whatever you think of his particular politics. Um, and if I remember rightly, that was his stated reason yeah. mm-hmm. that it wasn't a lack of interest in the position. It was what the position cost to acquire and uh yeah you do wonder sometimes and and i think it's a incredible i mean you the president of the united states is truly the leader of the world yeah the most powerful single person in the world yeah and you can see that i know that there are people who don't like obama's politics but take a look at him eight years ago and take a look at him now oh sure and he's aged disproportionate to the last eight years it's incredible and at least that tells me that he appreciates the gravity of his office right. and the decisions that they have to make. And I mean, even now, Secretary Clinton and Trump, they get briefed by the National Security mm-hmm. Advisor about issues facing America. And they, there, there is a tremendous amount of weight that they bear that it's, it's not trivial at all. Yeah. And, and any person with any respect for the office – has to know that. So I think all of that plays into just, you know, good people not wanting to be there. Yeah. 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 Well said. Well said. Um, Emma, tell, tell us, um, obviously you were a cruise guy and I thought made a really, really good case at (laughs) at some point. I did my best. (laughs) Yes. You gave it your all. It's uh, isn't that an old '80s song? Nobody remembers that. I did my yeah, best. Yeah, the sticker has not come off my car. Yes. Oh, you still got the cruise on there. It's I was, saying. Wow. Wow. I think um, there were probably many, many sun faded stickers of Cruz, Rubio, whomever <laughs> that that people are going to leave on for a while just to make a point. Um, so <laughs> obviously, <laughs> yes. Well, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Um, might be a little out of order, Emma, but I'll forget if I don't. Um, <laughs> Cruz raised a little bit of a stink at the Republican convention over the summer, right? Because he he basically said, right. I'm paraphrasing, vote your conscience right? and did not right. give Trump an official endorsement. How how were you feeling about things at the time? Were you like, go get him, Ted? Or were, <laughs> were you hoping for something else? I uh, – oh, no. That was 100 percent the uh, – the the best answer I think he could have given to that question, and I was so proud, honestly, that day when I when I heard that speech um, to have worked for him, honestly, because he he fought his entire campaign on this idea that he was standing up to Washington, um, and whether or not his opinion was going to be 
uh, popular. He was going to tell them the truth and he was going to act uh, in, you know, conjunction with his morals. Um, and that, that's basically his entire campaign was based around that fact. And so for him to walk up on stage and and look someone in the eye who he clearly did not respect, clearly did not endorse, whose views clearly did not align with his own, um, and to tell his supporters that they should just jump on his bandwagon because he's a Republican, because he has that R after his name. Um, I, I really would have lost a lot of respect for him if he did that. Wow. Um, and so for him to walk up there and to say, uh, and to say what he said, honestly, if you would ask me today, I, I don't want to jump ahead of, of your other questions, but if you would ask me today how I should would advise people to vote, I, I would give the same answer to vote your conscience. Wow. Um, I think that it's I think that it's really telling, um, and it was telling to a lot of people that Ted Cruz got up on stage and said the words "vote your conscience," and people heard "do not vote for Trump." Yes. Um, I think that that's really telling because that's not what he said. He didn't say don't vote for Trump. He said vote for who you think the best candidate's going to be. Yeah. Um, and so I think that. Honestly, I think that the way that that was spun by the media and by on it and, and by Trump supporters was the biggest thing. If he would have said you should go out and vote your conscience and everyone would have cheered, then everyone would have thought, oh, yeah, vote your conscience, vote for Trump. But uh -huh. the fact that everyone booed is exactly what I just said. People heard vote your conscience and they thought don't vote Trump. Um, and so that initial reaction, I think, is really telling. Um, I think that that, like I said before, I think that it was in line with everything that his campaign stood for um, and that anything otherwise would have been a sellout move. And we saw that with Bernie when he went out and endorsed Hillary. He, he ran his entire campaign on uh, anti-Wall Street, anti-government corruption, anti-Clinton. Um, and then he gets up on stage and says, well, you know, she's a better alternative to Trump. Well, uh -huh. at that point, at that point, you're a sellout and you're just, you know, trying to get your foot in the door for the next president. And uh, and so I, I was really proud of Cruz when he did that. Yes, yes. Interesting point. And I'll, I'll pivot from that point, Emma, to you, Shaheen, because uh, we talked about Bernie a little bit with you last time. Did that surprise you? Because I, I, I thought of Bernie, from my limited vantage point, as pretty much a, a, a blue-eyed idealist uh, that uh, maybe a little less of a pragmatic, typical conventional politician. But I'm thinking, here's an older older dude who's got this these raucous 18-, 19-year-old kids at these rallies who just almost, you know, the, the caricature of him that comes to my mind is the guy – the kind of grouchy old neighbor that I'm going to tell you what I think. And this is what there seemed to be this real draw to, mm -hmm. to Bernie mm -hmm. because of that. Uh, were you shocked that he came out and endorsed Clinton? I was actually. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he was being pragmatic and mm -hmm. probably looking at the, not tr trying to not miss the forest for the trees yeah. that if you look at the Republican ticket, he was like, you know, I'm not a fan of Hillary, but it's better than Trump. Right. And then I thought it was really interesting that I think it was the next day that they leaked the Hillary or the DNC yes. emails where they were, <laughs> that were systematically <laughs> repressing him. Yeah, and Bernie. Like, Bernie. Thanks getting, for the vote of confidence, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah, those. Uh, it's, I'm shocked they ha that hasn't got more press. Those. Some of those. Um, I was watching. Are, uh, are you saying that the media conspired? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to. Yes, is that what? that's that's a radical assertion. Okay, okay. but it was interesting that uh, yeah, they they were some some not so kind words about Bernie and his supporters yeah. uh, that that have come out of those uh, 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 WikiLeaks emails. Um, so uh, if you notice, we're slow burn here. This is great, just to kind of lead up to this. Uh, Nathan, is it fair to ask our guest 
because you can take it out in the post. <laughs> if they're comfortable telling us where they stand. Uh, well, he, here's what I would like to do instead of good, that. Good. Okay, good. Um, I would like to go to each of you and and let us know what issues you feel are most important. Um, you know, and that can be from either side, you know, but just what are the issues that as you're looking at the two people um, that you have to to vote for? Um, and I mean, arguably there are more, but realistically, one of the two is going to be president. Um, what are the things that you're looking at when you're looking at both these people on who you would or wouldn't vote for? Emily, I'm going to go ahead and start with mm, you. Good question. Better question. Um. So it's interesting. So if you would have asked me that question the last time that we we had this conversation, um, I probably would have put immigration at the top of that list. Hmm. Um, interestingly, though, um, I actually started working at a law firm recently, an immigration law firm. Um, and the time that I've spent there and the time I've spent with the uh, the people who we work with, basically my job, I'm a paralegal there. And so um, I facilitate, you know, I help um I help immigrants get like papers translated and I work with them and, and with their cases kind of directly. Um, and through a lot of that experience that I've spent with those people who are coming to America legally or illegally, um, trying to get asylum here, um, that's really changed my perspective on that issue a lot. Hmm. Um, and so so that issue actually for me used to be a big deal, but now I'm, I'm kind of a lot softer and I think you see Trump going a lot softer on that as well. Hmm. Um, so I think that issue's kind of gone to the back burner a little bit. Um, so aside from that, um, which was a big hot button issue, um, for me, a big one would definitely be our national security. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually probably the biggest one um, other than probably our, our national debt. Um, and I think that there's a lot of other things that are really important. I know that there's a lot of people at my university in particular that were really, really upset at the presidential debates um, when they heard nothing about climate change. That was something that's really important to a lot of college students, um, a lot of environmental issues that Bernie was really big on. Um, Ted Cruz was actually, and a couple of our other candidates uh, spent a lot of time talking about from the other perspective. Um, And I think that, that that's something that um, a lot of students were angry about. But for me, um, I don't think that a lot of those issues, I don't think that the the gay rights issues, the, the marriage issues, the environmental issues, um, I don't think that those are as big of a deal um, as our national security and our national debt. And that's just because um, I know that, that uh, Trump has said he released a statement saying uh, how we're, what, 19, almost $19 trillion in debt. Um, and he was saying that, according to his estimates, if we go over $20 trillion, that's going to be the tipping point for the United States, and we're not going to be able to recover from that. Um, and so, I mean, he's a brilliant businessman, if nothing else. Um, I, I, I take that to heart. Um, and so I would say that our national debt's probably the first most important thing uh, on that list, because if we don't turn that around, um, if we continue stimulus spending, if we continue uh, expanding social programs, um, taxing the rich, um, and then, you know, the money doesn't get flowed back into the economy, um, we're, we're going to end up having uh, uh, reaching that tipping point, And that's going to be a big issue, uh, not only for me, me and my generation, but also for my children. So that's a that's definitely important to me. Um, after that, though, probably national security would be top of my list. Um, and I think that's for obvious reasons. Um, that's one of the biggest reasons that uh, it's such a hard decision for me. And I know that's weird to say, um, because I would consider myself a really deep red Republican. Um, and I would, I find it very difficult that I would consider not voting for the Republican candidate. 
Um, but Trump has no foreign policy experience, which is difficult. Um, Clinton, on the other hand, has proven herself ineffective in all capacities um, as Secretary of Defense. Um, the Benghazi situation, the, the emails, um, leaking classified information. Uh, I don't think that's what, what I would want for my commander in chief either. Um, and especially the whole the whole idea of leading from behind, which I'm sure uh we will see a different perspective from in a second, um, but I'm I'm not a big fan of that either, and so uh, that's definitely another big issue for me that I think is is worth taking a look at. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you, Emma. Shaheen. Um, <clears throat> I would say the chief issue for me is their stance on pro-life or pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Um, all the rest of the issues are I have opinions on. They're mm-hmm. but they're just politics. Mm-hmm. Um, that one I consider to be, you know, a moral issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary is pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Trump says that he is pro-life, but I don't believe him. Mm-hmm. So, um, so honestly, neither candidate, in my opinion, is a viable candidate. Wow. Interesting. So that, that is a cheat. And then I would, it'd be easier for me to say I would vote for Gary Johnson, except that he is adamantly pro-choice. Yes. Yes. And... But I think his uh, perspectives on environmental issues, on national security, on dependence on foreign oil mm-hmm. are accurate. Yeah. So I think they, he, ha- he could have potentially good policies. I think he goes off a little bit half-cocked mm-hmm. sometimes. But, but as far as his stated stance, uh, I think he's the best candidate except for, uh, except for the fact that he is adamantly pro-choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, what would you say, um, Shaheen, to that? Because my, my wife and I talk about these things regularly. She would probably say almost verbatim what you said. Um, in wider family conversations, extended families on both of our sides when those issues come up, it's almost anathema when when anybody brings that up because they are, oh, you don't want to be a single-issue voter. If you ever hear that, that's a common kind of conventional response. Um, but you're supposed to vote your conscience? Right, right, right. Which is – and I'm not even saying I agree with that because okay. I, I think it's just a – in many ways just a cliche that is sort of like the emperor's new clothes. It's like, oh, yeah, single-issue voter. Um, and I, I, I tend to think uh, – because I look at that issue similarly of myself as a priority issue voter. Um, so there's a top priority. And then after that, there's some other things you consider, which, which let's just say in this case – both candidates, Hillary Clinton was passionately pro-life and had a track record to prove it. Trump was passionately pro-life with a similar track record. Then, in a sense, it's you're not saying, oh, I'm a single-issue voter. It doesn't matter. You're saying, okay, after that, I'm going to look at other things. Sure. You just mentioned Gary right. Johnson's policies. Like, right. oh, I, I like his position on our dependence on foreign oil, um, oil. Or I like the way this person talks about education right. and decentralizing it and giving more power to the states or whatever it might be. Um, so uh, can I point out something that both of you, though, did not mention, which surprised me? I thought either of you was going to say something about um, Supreme Court justices. No. Well, that's the reason. That's oh, the reason for the pro-life. That's, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yours, that's it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much that the president, he or she could sure. do on their own I mean, to, to change the Roe versus Wade law. But yes. uh, the Supreme Court justice could. Yes. 
Um, Emma, what about you on that issue? Uh, do you do you do you want to weigh in on that? And on it's the- a lifetime appointment. Yeah, it's yes. it's funny because actually, as you were just talking, I was thinking, and I should have mentioned Supreme Court justices. Gotcha. Um, so it's funny you said that, but I, I do think that that's a huge issue. The thing is, though, that um, I don't think that uh, it's necessarily it. How do I say so? So I don't think that it's necessarily an issue that's as black as black and white um, as, you know, economic policy or foreign policy would be um, or abortion policy, as we just discussed. Um, Like, I don't think that you can say I'm going to vote for Trump because he's going to put uh, a better candidate in the Supreme Court, um, because for one, uh, we don't know who they're going to nominate. And I, I don't know if I would agree that Trump is going to put someone in the Supreme Court that is a is a better choice than Hillary would. And I, mm. I know that's weird to say, but I, I just I really don't think unless he got a lot of counsel from Mike Pence, who I think is a great candidate, um, I, I think that you would end up seeing a very moderate Republican, possibly mm. a swing vote Republican um, that may be worse than having a liberal in the court. Um, so that's just, I don't know. That's, that's one perspective. Um, on the other hand though, I do think that having Hillary put at most three justices on the court would be disastrous for this country. Um, the thing is though, um, you, that also requires the consent of the Senate. Um, and if we're able to hold our Senate seats, I don't think that you'll see someone as radical as people are saying come from the Hillary campaign either. Um, so that's why I don't think it's necessarily a black and white issue um, that I would say is you know one of the most important. And so I'm going to vote according to my party rather than according to my conscience. So. Well, I think that's why Paul Ryan is distancing himself from Trump mm-hmm. like last week or the week before yeah. for precisely that reason. He doesn't want to risk the House and the Senate right. because Trump is the candidate. Right, right. Um, yes, which he's getting a lot of pushback on. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and that's kind of one of those things where if you're on a particular, like I was mentioning earlier, if you're on a particular ticket yep. or if you, uh, you know, if you are a member of a particular party or registered under a particular party that you're expected to toe the line on everything. Right, right. And, you know, he's catching a lot of flack for that. Right. Yeah, Paul Ryan's a sharp guy, dude. Every time I've heard him speak, it, impressive um, uh, intellect. Seems to be a pretty nuanced guy. Uh, were you going to jump in? There? Well, I was. Um, I was going to actually uh, ask Emily uh, first, and then bump it over to Shaheen. So the last time you were on Emma, you had talked about why people should go out and vote, and and your reasons I thought were very compelling, even though I didn't. Um, I still <laughs> thought that they were that they were good reasons. You know, it's it's to show. Um, you know, the, the, the electoral colleges show the people out there that, you know, Hey, we're not happy with who you're putting out there for us to vote for. Now these are the two options. So, you know, there is, there is no one else. Could you see someone who is very indecisive, apathetic toward it? Could you see now at this point saying, yeah, if, if you don't know who to vote for, then, then, then don't vote. Why or why not? So I would still say no. Um, And actually, I think it's kind of funny. Um, I would I think I would put myself in that category probably right Mm. now. Um, When you asked me to come back and speak uh, tonight, I was sitting in my bedroom thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to come speak on this podcast when I don't even know who I'm going to vote for yet. Um, And and I was thinking about and it was 
Um, I attended a conference down in Dallas where I heard a lot of speakers um, just back in June who were, you know, trying to persuade me to vote for Trump, who were talking a lot about party loyalty, about riding with the brand, um, talking about that. I've also heard a lot on the other side of the aisle um, about, you know, looking at your conservative values before your Republican values, voting in line with your conscience rather than just the R name. Um, and so I've been really torn between both. Um, but what I would say is that it's still just as important to mark your uh to mark your your uh, vote, whether or not you know who you want to vote for. Um, if you get to that day, for me, it's probably going to end up being a game day decision for me wow. um, because I have been going back and forth. And, and I'm a political science major. I mean, this is my life. Um, but every day, something else that comes out, I don't I don't think you, you would ever find me voting for Hillary. Um, I think I can say that pretty clearly. But I have been torn between writing in Ted Cruz as my, uh, as my presidential candidate uh, and then voting for Trump. And um, I think that for me, if I decided to get to the ballot box and I walked in and I wrote Ted Cruz in as my candidate um, and I left feeling good about that, I would be I would be happy that I did that rather than not voting at all. And it's for the same reason that I mentioned last time. So uh, for anyone who like wasn't listening last time, basically what that reason was, was that the the idea is that you have to voice your protest for your protest to mean something. Mm. Um, because if Republicans, they, you know, a lot of people are saying right now that Republicans need to take a look. I was actually watching Hannity was um, saying something on this today um, about how you need to take a look at, Republicans need to take a look at why Trump ended up being our nominee. When you have the, the presidential candidate who's hated by over 50% of his party before election day, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's got, he and Hillary both have the highest dislike rates of any presidential candidate in United States history. Um, and so you, you see those disapproval ratings and, you know, you have to wonder why that's happening. And so if you end up with a bunch of pro-Trumpers um, who go out there and vote and then a bunch of people who, you know, the never Trump crowd or people who are apathetic to it just don't vote at all. And then you end up with low voter turnout. Um, well, OK, you ended up with low voter turnout. But if you have a whole bunch of people going out and voting third party, if you see a surge in, you know, Gary Johnson, Jill, Jill Stein um, in their in uh, in their polls, or if you see, um, you know, a lot of candidates who are being written in, like if I wrote Ted Cruz in, then that tells your party, well, OK, it wasn't that we had low voter turnout, that we had record voter turnout, but we had the lowest turnout for our party. Mm, um, so that, then that tells the people who are in charge in Washington, you know, if you're cynical and you don't think that, you know, your vote matters that much, well, the people whose vote does matter, who are influencing these elections, are going to look at those at those results and are going to say, okay, we need to change something for next election. Um, and so I think that no matter whether you're, you know, gung-ho for a particular candidate or not, it's still just as important to make it out to, to the voting booth. Very good. Shaheen? I agree. I don't think... Emma and I ever disagreed on that point. I think that we have a unique privilege and responsibility here mm -hmm. because we are so – we can be so part of the political process. If you look over – like I mentioned earlier that there's a lot of issues that are just politics, right? That mm -hmm. there's spending on defense versus spending on domestic, prioritizing foreign relations versus prioritizing domestic issues, or there's a social justice, or there's uh, dependence on foreign oil. There's all these different issues that are political. But if you look back over history, nobody ever got a say in that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, It was a king who said, this is how things are going to be, or it was a czar. And when they didn't like it, you had to revolt. You had to kill the czar and kill all his family. And I mean, it was, but we can here. So there's no reason to not be part of that, to 
not take that. Right. Even even if you don't like the candidate, then write in a candidate. Mm-hmm. But be part of that process. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that uh, I saw a poll recently as far as – I just want to comment really quickly on yeah. the, the disapproval rating. I saw a poll recently that there's b- basically supported the conclusion that Trump won his nomination because of people who were anti-Hillary yeah. and Hillary because of people who were anti-Trump. So like their supporters are gathering in polls yes. as – being anti the other candidate, not necessarily because they're thrilled with who that person really is. Yes. So I think that's a perfect opportunity where if you, if you are not thrilled with who the candidate is, what better opportunity than to write in somebody, Mm -hmm. write in your own name. Do you believe in yourself? (laughs) You know, I don't know. Write, write in the name of a candidate who write in Paul Ryan or write in, write in Bernie Sanders, write in somebody. Uh Yeah. So, but at least be part of the process. And the other thing that I would say is there are other issues, local representatives, questions mm. that are on the ballot that are not just the presidential election. Agreed. So, you know, if you're going to go there and you're going to go through the trouble, and I highly, highly encourage you to have a voice in those opinions as well Mm -hmm. or in those issues as well, then take the time, the extra 10 seconds, truly it's only 10 seconds, to – Write in a candidate if you can't mm-hmm. if you can't stomach voting for either one. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Shaheen, uh, as a Maryland issue. And again, for listeners in other states, I would just uh, hold on with me for just a minute. We'll make this uh, make this as applicable as we can to you. Um, <clears throat> can either of you tell me about? Because I'm just beginning, Shaheen. Because somebody else challenged me that to look at some other local issues. Uh, it might help if I could learn how to pronounce the uh, name of the lady running for uh, the vacant Shalega. Senate seat. Shalega, is that how you say it? Uh, uh, either of you want to talk about her, uh, what you know of her or what you've learned of her? Because I know next to nothing except she's the Republican candidate for a seat that's yeah, been held by – a small business owner, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, uh, nobody I thought, thought she... that Hogan had a chance either. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah, our, our state's governor. I've actually had a lot of experience um, working with Delegate Shalega. I was going to intern in her office my sophomore year. Um, We met kind of uh, through a friend of a friend, um, and I spent a lot of time working. uh, I was on her Senate campaign, uh, putting up flyers. We went to a couple of events with her, um, and then we actually hosted uh, the senatorial debate. um, So I was in a lot of contact with her at that point as well. Um, she came to speak to my club a few times. Um, she brought us pizza, uh, came and talked to us about her campaign and about her stance on some issues. Um, and I actually, she I actually really admire her. That's cheap. That's buying votes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she buys me pizza. She's got my vote. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> from her though um i thought it was really interesting because she came into a panel at my university um and she was speaking as a mother and as a former teacher um on her role in the political process and actually the panel was on uh how college students could go from you know just having like a regular old degree to being a politician um and what she was telling us was that she went to uh she actually went to Towson. Um, she graduated with an education degree. She was planning to be a teacher, to be a mother. She was never planning to go into politics. Hmm. Um, but then after working in that realm 
um, and raising her family, she noticed that, you know, there were issues in this state that she needed to be a part of addressing. Um, and so for me as a young woman, um, I was really inspired by that because I actually started at college at Towson as an education major. Um, and I kind of had the same kind of uh revelation, but I had it my freshman year. So hmm. I ended up switching into political science because I wanted to become a congresswoman so that I could make those differences uh, rather than the route, route that she took as she actually got her degree um, and then decided to run for the state government. Um, for her, though, she actually rose, you know, so she went from just being someone who wasn't even interested in politics at all to someone who just thought that she could make a difference running for the state legislature um, to being the minority whip of the House of Representatives, which hmm. is a huge, you know, position. That's a huge leadership role uh, in the state rep uh, state representatives. Um, so then she worked there. She worked with Nick Kip Kipke. Um, she was uh, did a lot of really great things there, especially in the realm of education. Um, and I got to spend a lot of time working on her Senate campaign, um, specifically with uh, Congressman Andy Harris. She has a lot of um, uh, similar views with him. And so um, a lot of the things that I've heard about her are really good, especially in terms of small businesses. Um, like he just said, she does is a small business owner. Her family, I believe, owns a construction company. Hmm. Um, and so she does have a lot of experience in terms of small business, um, in terms of education, which is a big thing that needs to be addressed in this state, um, in terms of just economic policy, being a business owner. Um, she has a lot of experience in that and a lot of the things I've heard in terms of taxes, in terms of um, you know economic policy in general budget cuts that seems to be a big part of her campaign as well so I've definitely admired that part of her campaign um, but just in general um, yeah I, I would definitely I would give her my uh, my stamp of approval that's definitely so what I would say in terms of going out to vote even if you're not interested in voting for a presidential candidate um, I just do want to reiterate how important it is to go vote for your local representatives um, and I would I would give uh, Delegate Shaligo would definitely get my vote there Wow. do you know I assume guys is she is she pro-life I don't know if you yeah. That. Oh, yeah, she's, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's very on. conservative on, on social issues. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, – um, Shaheen, I wanted to go back because I share your skepticism. And some people say, oh, that's unfair. Um, when you said Trump says he's pro-life, that he's had a change of heart, but you don't believe him. I don't either. But someone would say, is that, is that, is that wrong? <laughs> um, to quote uh, – George Costanza, was that was that wrong to 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 say that? Um, and uh, I would ask you, Cheyenne. Um, I, I obviously I don't think it is, but I'm curious. What would you say? That well, I mean, what 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 more can the man do, Cheyenne? He's saying he's pro life. He's had a change of heart. Why don't you believe him? Instinct, gut. Sure, all of the above. I don't yeah. trust anything he says. Actually, yeah. yeah. And and you can you can even look over the course of his campaign. They ask him a question, and three weeks later, ask him the same question. He changes his stance. Different answer. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Trump is that he he goes off half cocked about everything, uh -huh. and like he truly just says whatever occurs to him in the moment. <laughs> and they so, and that's why he he's he runs he ran or has run a really, really good bumper sticker campaign. Yeah. Like, you know, make America great again. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to make China or uh, Mexico pay for a wall. Yeah. And I mean, like just the, the notable lack of understanding about any of these issues. Yeah. So, so for me, for him to say that oh, he's pro-life now is, is just a, words are cheap for him. Sure. I, they, they, they bear no weight whatsoever. So he can say whatever he thinks is expedient for that moment. And yeah. I just, I really don't place any weight whatsoever. So yeah. I think that, um, and, and somebody forwarded me an email. It was this, 
I actually fell asleep. It was like well, multiple pages, not literally, but yeah. it was multiple pages, dissertation on why everything that Trump says is genuine and uh, truly heartfelt. He's the best candidate and how we, you know, we need to rally behind him. And I read like two or three paragraphs. And I'm like, I, I can't stomach this. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I, I never read it. I never responded. They're probably wondering what's going on. Actually, I saw a bunch of people all, all chime in in the thread. And when I had gotten back to my phone, you know how on the iPhone it, oh yeah, like it concatenates everything into this big long thread. I just deleted the whole thread. Sure. sure. So I'm not even sure what everybody else's comments were, but yeah. um, I think for him, it's, it's a, what seems to be going on is this is an ego thing for him. Uh-huh. At first, I kind of thought it was him building his brand. He yeah. wanted to get his name out there. I read an article on The Atlantic. They were talking about a White House Correspondence Center, which if you're not familiar with is when um, members of both parties get together. The president is roasting people. It's, mm-hmm. it's all kind of in good fun, but they're yeah. poking fun at each other. Yeah. And – um, Trump was at this party it was several years ago and they were laughing at him like Trump tried to run for president. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. He's not a real candidate. Ha, ha. And then they went and they looked at his involvement in politics immediately following that. And he started donating to political campaigns. Mm. He started trying to buy truly like buy favor within the beltway. Yeah. And when I read that article, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. It actually fits with his personality yes. that he would sit there and even knowing that everybody's just having a good time, right. that he would be offended. And yes. He would say, you know what? I'm going to show them. I'm going to run for president. I'm going to win this thing. Yeah. And so with that in mind, he, he's not a statesman. He's not the guy that is running because he has a heart for America, because yeah. he wants to be a servant to mm-hmm. the American citizen or anything like that. It's yeah. a vast amount of hubris. Yeah, fair to so, say that perhaps even narcissism, so, you know, yeah, absolutely. a strong sure. impulse sure. of narcissism. I would say um, with that, you know what? Somebody- so that would be my answer. Just let me wrap this oh, up. Oh, sure, sure That would be my answer to yeah. them. But again, having said all that, I'm, I'm like not going to try to guilt somebody into not voting for him or you know bushwhack them for mm-hmm. what they're what they believe that they're doing in clear conscience either. Yeah. That, that's just that's how I would respond to that particular question. Yes, if that if I can, you know. No, no, that's make that clear. very, uh, uh, very helpful. I, um, who was it that I heard talking about this with Trump? Um, I don't know. It was a, a commentary or something I read, but it was an interesting, it was more of a psychological study. But I, I have come in life to not have a high level of trust in people that can't laugh at themselves. You yeah. know, and, and don't you think right. now Hillary might be the same, but with Trump, you just, I, I can't think of one moment and I've, Seen a lot of footage. I'm no expert on him. Where I've ever seen him sort of chuckle at himself. Right. You know right, what I right. mean? Where yeah, he's they like, both love themselves muchly. Exactly. And I always think that makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, because in our in our church, a, a little phrase that we use sometimes, not in any formal sense, but you know, we've stolen it from somebody. You know, take the gospel seriously. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, which I think kind of captures a good spirit that you'd want in a church. But I think to uh, expand on that. I don't know. I've just come to like – I can't see a dude be a little bit self-deprecating, laugh at himself a little bit, kind of say, yeah, that, that wasn't my best moment, was it? Right. Uh, it makes me nervous. Right, right. It's it's like they're so insecure that they can't acknowledge that they could possibly be human. They could possibly have said something wrong. And they made a mistake. Possibly but, have made a bad judgment call. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you want to know that a guy can self-correct. Right. And right, just right. course correct and say, hey, you know what? Um, I really regret that, and yeah. this is what I've learned. And to me, that's a confidence builder 
I'm sure there's PR spin doctors that say don't do that, um, et cetera. But yeah, I, maybe that's on her side too. Um, uh, Emma, do you want to chime in on this? Do you do you feel some of these uh, these uh, uh, same sentiments that uh, we're talking about? Do I? Yes. Sorry, you're going in and out. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're good. Um, no, yeah, I, I 100% agree exactly with what he said. Um, Trump's a movie star. You know, that's what he's he's good at playing the camera. Um, and we said that his entire campaign when I was working on the Cruz campaign, that was one of my like most just obnoxious things with his entire uh, his entire campaign was that he would just get up on screen and he would say these one liners and people would be attracted to it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, honestly, I learned a lot about it in my marketing class about this thing with um in terms of um, marketing and like the new generation of technology that if you can market your entire campaign in the time that it takes to take a 10 second Snapchat, then you'll win an election. And that's like <laughs> something we've been learning. It's something we've been learning about in school because people love sound bites. And it's something that, you know, in the past people would pick up a newspaper and they would read an article and they would go into depth into a situation. Now you've got WikiLeaks coming out every week and half of my peers don't even know what a WikiLeak is, much yes. less are reading them and figuring out what's going, what's going on. On, uh, you know, with with the campaign right now, especially with the whole um, the the WikiLeaks, like I said, but also I don't know if you guys watched Project Veritas that's been big in the news this mm -hmm. week um, about you know the voter fraud that's been going on about um, Democrats planning people in Trump rallies to incite violence to create this like media bias. Sure. Um, you know, half of my peers don't even know what's going on there because they don't take the time to read these articles. Um, and so Trump really capitalized on that idea of a soundbite, um, and that was something that just really grinded my gears as someone who's interested in politics and who takes the time to read those articles because like he was just saying I don't think that Trump has a heart for America at all yeah. um, if I did vote for him I think one of the big things would be possibly for the Supreme Court justice just having that ideology possibly because I, I do think that he has some conservative ish tendencies uh -huh. at least more conservative than uh, than Hillary's um, you know that might you know at least in terms of national debt and, and national security that might lean us in the right direction. Um, but definitely not because I think that he's honest, um, not because I necessarily agree with a lot of his uh, campaign. Like even when he, he went to the Republican convention, he's the first Republican candidate um, in, you know, a any Republican candidate that's ever run for president that didn't say the word God in the course of the entire Republican convention, hmm. you know, which is ridiculous. And, you know, so he gets up on stage. He he doesn't mention abortion. You had a ton of pro-lifers at the Republican convention in Ohio. Never once in his speech did he mention uh, uh, being pro-life. Not once. Didn't mention God. Not once. Um, you know, the whole time he was up there, he was talking about, you know, pandering to the Democrats. He was talking about, uh, you know, the the uh, gay agenda. He was talking about the um, the Gender, um, gender pay gap. He was talking about that, about universal health care, um, minimum wage rising, all those kind of things he was talking about at the convention that aren't even Republican platforms. Um, and so I think that, that when you see that, uh, for me, I have the same skepticism about whether any of his ideas, um, he's just saying them to get votes or whether or not they're his actual, uh, you know, true beliefs, because you have seen him flip flopping on issues more than any other candidate this election cycle. Hmm. Um, but on top of that, though, I really do think that he played the media, um, that he's a movie star and he knows how to get up in front of the screen and make people like him. Um, and he's been really good at that, more so than getting up there and being genuine with the people and getting votes, because um, as you were saying before, you said a lot of his voters are coming 
coming from people who just don't like Hillary. Sure. Um, and so they see him and they're like, he's flashy. He everyone always says he says what we're thinking. Um, well, yeah, he's he's good at saying what he thinks without, you know, really <laughs> thinking about the consequences there. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely agree with what everyone's saying in terms of um, kind of both sides of that. But for better uh, or for worse, I guess. <laughs> did you see the clip when he was at Liberty University? Uh, was that the two Corinthians? Yeah. yeah two Corinthians. And uh, where the uh, yeah, spirit, yeah. spirit is, there is liberty. And oh, there, there's liberty. There's liberty here. Yeah, it reminded me. Like, did somebody give him a cliff notes where they like Google Liberty University and it like, comes up with a Bible verse? I know. Yeah, you I use know. that in your speech. That's going to be awesome. That's, it's going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> huge. Uh, my mm. wife, you know, is a Liberty grad, 94, been a long time. And she's quite happy. This, I'll put this out, that so many of the young students at Liberty are furious huh. with uh, Chancellor Falwell, you know, mm-hmm. Falwell yeah, Jr.'s yeah. endorsement of right. Trump, yeah. and is rather almost unabashed, unqualified support of him. I've heard him now on a few talking head shows, and it's uh, surprising. My wife is is quite incensed by that, <laughs> uh, not, not attacking anybody that would vote for Trump, but just from the perspective of... You know, it's – I don't know. She's saddened and I am sort of too that you've got 18, 19, 20-year-olds that find find him so morally uh, confounding and frustrating that yeah. uh, there is not any – even much of a qualifier. There are a few qualifiers. I've seen stuff on Facebook where, well, look at King David and <laughs> I just – wow, I better be careful. I'll start really <laughs> going off here. But I, I would say yes, King David. I'd say there was – Quite a bit of contrition, Psalm 51, the death of his own child that came about. And uh, mm-hmm. to make that comparison so casually, so flippantly, nobody, no no Republican, no conservative that I remember was making the same uh, uh, comparisons in the 90s with Clinton and Monica. You know, it was just, oh, he's, see, character counts, character counts. We need to get him out of there. And today you see many people in the same party making these arguments that just mm-hmm. make you think, People really right. believe in anything, or is it just you know just the expedient way to go? Um, my last thought I'll just throw out before Nathan kind of helps us close out, just to throw out to either of you. I have a friend who emailed me about two weeks ago, uh, knew we were doing a political podcast again, had an interesting thought. He's leaning. He's a committed believer too, and this is probably going to shock you. He's leaning towards Hillary. This was his rationale, and I'm just throwing this out to you. He said, Greg uh, – Uh, To go back to Bill Clinton in the 90s, he said, I think Clinton, from a purely presidential standpoint, was a fairly decent president. And uh, his view is because Clinton and the Clintons uh, as a unit are opportunists. uh, He doesn't think either of them has that much of an ideology where he said he thinks Obama, a guy like Bernie, is much more ideologically driven. Um, So his take was that an opportunist – the advantage there is that the the mood of the country or the powers that be can hold him to a more central campaign. His point was that Clinton's claim to fame were basically welfare reform, and he somewhat reduced the size of the federal government. Um, so he said, which are typically conservative platforms. So he said Trump scares him because he's an out-of-control narcissist. Hillary frightens him, but because she's an opportunist and a pragmatist, he thinks we have better hopes for Hillary. I'm just curious, either of you, you know, you don't have to say much about that. Do you think crazy, ridiculous, intriguing? Curious what either of you think. 
Well, obviously you're riveted uh, <laughs> by my friend's position. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I think, she, I think, I think that's fair. I think she's mm-hmm. opportunistic. Yeah, I would say that Trump is opportunistic too. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's not quite. He, he is narcissist, mm-hmm. narcissistic as well. But uh, so is she. I mean, there's there's all sorts of unsavory traits to go around. Yeah. Um, I've heard people argue, and I think there's some truth to this. That she she's the more qualified diplomat, like even if she's been successful or unsuccessful mm-hmm. as Secretary of State, she's done it. Sure. And we're, we're not in the middle of World War Three, Right. But I don't know if Trump wouldn't start <laughs> World War Three. So, I, you know, I mean, I, I guess if you're, if you're trying to – if you're grasping at straws and you're trying to find one reason or another to feel good about voting. Yeah. Or maybe it's not even grasping at straws. For me, for me, it would be grasping at straws because sure. I don't I don't like either candidate. Yeah. But but maybe for somebody else that, that logic makes sense to me. Sure. I can see that. Okay. I can see that. I I would say that probably for Trump that's probably true too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see him getting into office and hearing I mean he's changed his positions half a dozen times anyway, sure. so sure, why not? Do it, yeah. you know, after you've already won. Right, right. Yeah, to try to go for a second term, too. Yeah. Um, interesting. Emma? Yeah, I, I would I would second what he just said. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that I see I see the divide maybe more so than than he does in terms of ideology what is it, ideological versus uh, you know, opt- opportunistic. Um I do think that people I don't want to say they have a misconception. Um, but just that I do think that experience is a big deal when you get into the White House. Um, and I it's, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to endorse Hillary because I, I don't think I would vote for her either. But I do definitely see why people would not vote for Trump mm-hmm. um, for the reason that he seems to be very ideologically driven um, in terms of policy driven, um, where Hillary seems to have a clear advantage. Um, and so I, I do see that. I do think that someone who has a plan um, like she does is much less dangerous. Um, and I, I honestly, I honestly, in terms of my circle, um, of Republican, you know, friends at, at my university, my club in particular, um, a lot of people, the way that they talk about Hillary Clinton is as if she's going to get in there and she's going to create, you know, these radical reforms. Um, I don't really see that from her in terms of her past, um, you know, engagement in politics, in terms of the policies that she's put out right now. Um, I really don't see any candidate getting in there and putting their entire platform in place. Um, I think that if she got in there, I think you would see a lot of the same. Um, And for me, I think that the past eight years have not been great, but I don't think that they've been terrible either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we saw a lot more of the same foreign policy, of the same economic policy, I don't think it would be putting us in the right direction, but I also don't think that it would be putting us in a worse direction. Mm. Um, My hesitation is that a Trump presidency could put us in a worse direction. And the reason I say that isn't because I think that he would put in place policies that are necessarily, um, you know, bad in a sense that they're going to crumble our economy or I really don't think that he would send us into World War III. Um, A lot of people seem to have that perception, but I don't think that he would create these drastic policies. I just think that a lot of people would begin associating the idea of a Republican with Trump um, and with Trump's policies and with the way Trump rules, um, 
honestly rules because <laughs> I, I I don't think I feel feel like that's the way that he would become uh, that he would do policy as president. But so I think that it's dangerous in the sense that the idea of a conservative Republican would be scarred by his presidency, and mm. I think that that's a dangerous thing in terms of the good that conservatives bring to this country because conservatism really facilitates liberalism. Liberals, you know, conservatives save money so liberals can spend it on social programs. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, though, that's the way the system works is you have years of conservatives who cut the budget, cut the budget, and then liberals come in and they spend that money that we've saved up. And if you have liberal presidents, you know, three terms in a row, you end up $19 trillion in debt, um, which I know, I know George Bush contributed a lot to that debt, but I'm just saying um, it's accumulated a lot in Obama's presidency as well. And so that's why you need that reaction and, you know, and action kind of goes both ways. Um, and so I, I personally don't think that a Hillary presidency would be as bad as a Trump presidency, but I, I, I can't say that I would still morally be able to vote for her to go in the White House. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I see, I see the, uh, the appeal that your friend is talking about. Mm. Interesting. Great stuff here, guys. Yeah, this was, um, this was awesome. So glad we were able to have you back on and we are going to, um, wrap up everything in just a minute. Um, I was, uh, I, I was getting severely, um, and I'll use this term. I was getting severely pissed off recently <laughs> at, um, at everything that I've been seeing on Facebook with people yeah. posting, particularly things that pertain to questioning someone's salvation on who they would or wouldn't vote for. Oh, you don't think that's uh, you don't think that's legit? <laughs> no, no. I don't um, think the Bible has ample passages <laughs> on this subject. <laughs> um, you know, and, and the sad thing is, it's 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 going it's going every way. You know, you can't be a Christian and vote for Trump. You can't be a Christian and vote for Clinton. You can't be a Christian and vote for so. And it was driving me nuts. So I wrote a um a, of course you know being so anti-Facebook with this stuff, I wrote a Facebook response. <laughs> um, and, I, and I'd like to read it because I found it interesting that both my liberal and conservative friends liked and commented oh. positively on this post. Interesting. Um, and all I said was Christianity is not based on who you vote for, your political stances, or what secondary issues you prioritize. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sent an spent an entire book, the book of Galatians, speaking to only requirement to salvation. Salvation is through Christ alone, period. So please, as a Christian, before you post about how a Christian should or should not vote, post about what type of political issues a Christian should or should not side on, or what secondary issues a Christian should or should not prioritize. Remember that the Bible is clear that we are to love one another. We are not to bind one another's consciences, consciences, which we've heard a lot mm -hmm. on this podcast, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. And it never tells us where we should fall on politics. Vote your conscience, love one another, and chill out. Mm. And um, I, I, I did. I had a lot of my friends, both liberal, liberal and conservative, just comment on that and say, you know, I really appreciate that. I think that's great. And um, I, I think that's really telling about this election and what we need to do for one another as believers. Mm. Um, so – Last last minute thoughts or comments, dude. I want to read Facebook just so I can read that post. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm going on. I'm going to like that tonight. <laughs> Haven't seen it because I'm never on Facebook. <laughs> so. uh, it's Nathan's cross. Post. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he is cross with you. He that's a cross face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's I, awesome. I was, so I, this it kind of. I think if I were just hearing this podcast yeah. and I was somebody who was trying to find. Um, 
maybe some helpful guidance or whatever might sound sound discouraging. I would say if there's anything to all my brothers, Christian brothers and sisters, that God's sovereign, Mm -hmm. that politics come and go, nations come and go, God lasts forever, Mm -hmm. right? And so while I do encourage everybody to be as active as they can – you know, don't 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 grow discouraged because this isn't the apocalyptic vote. <laughs> no, yeah. you know, we're, we're, whatever happens, God's already seen it, and yeah. there are, you know, Bible says there are good works that He set aside for us to walk in. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot of good things to come. Mm. Wait, we're you going to give Emma a chance. Oh yeah, Emma. Sorry, <laughs> I, I I just didn't want you to get cut off, Emma. No, no, you're fine. Um, I don't know if I've given. Uh, a great argument here toward either candidate in terms of anyone who was not sure who to vote for. But I do feel like I really solidified my own opinion on this. Um, And so I really do appreciate you guys having me on here tonight. Um, But yeah, definitely, I would just reinforce that no matter whether you are uh, interested in a particular candidate, really gung-ho for one um, or not, to still get out and vote and uh, and voice your protest, even if you don't want to vote for one of the candidates who uh, who are out there. So, Excellent. Excellent. Thank you both. Yeah. No, again, this was, this was fantastic. And I'm assuming we're going to get many more uh, comments and uh, no doubt (laughs) good, bad and ugly. So it'll, it'll be fun as always. So thank you so much. Uh, We're going to go ahead and sign off now this time for real. Uh, And we just rocked the Casbah. Ladies and gentlemen, you just finished listening to our part two of our politics podcast. Um, we'd like to go ahead and make the announcement of Rondi Ladderbach's podcast. We uh, kind of forgot to do that, so we want to do that now. So, uh, Mathter Mitchell, uh, Jonathan uh, is the name on that, but Mathter Mitchell is the Twitter account, and Austin Ramba. Austin Ramba, both of you won Rondi Lauterbach's book, Hungry. So, so excited that you guys won that. And if you go ahead and just shoot us a quick email at these go to 11, the number 15 at gmail.com, these go to 11, that's all spelled out. Then the number 15 at gmail.com, we'll go ahead and uh, shoot over that email or shoot over that book to you. Uh, so, congratulations, guys. And then we also forgot that we did not tell you what you can do to win Richard Belcher's new book that we discussed as well, Prophet, Priest, and King. So if you all go ahead and uh, just, we'll go ahead and we'll do um, iTunes reviews since it's been a while since we've done that. So iTunes reviews, um, and we'll go ahead and make the announcement for that uh, coming up on next week's podcast with Calvinist Colson. So I uh, hope you all have been enjoying and we'll catch you soon. These go to 11.